Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 136. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Travis Jewett of Jewett Fitness. He is a chiropractor who also educates the world on how to have the body move uh, properly and get strong in minimal time at home, so I hope you enjoy the show. Alrighty guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today, I have Travis Jewett. Travis. First question I ask everybody who comes on the show is share us the share with us the highlights of your health journey up to this point. Oh man, and movement Gosh, journey that's... and movement journey. I want to keep that in there because that's a big part of it for you too. That's a that's a big question. Um, you know, I I would have to say if we want to talk about the highlights of my journey, man, you know, I've I've done a lot of things over the years. I, I'm big in powerlifting and kettlebells and i would have to say the highlight for me was has been re kind of retooling myself and my training to still be able to do the things i want to do after four surgeries <laughs> okay no this is this is a great point because you're you're big like you said the lifting but it's also about the mobility the movement of it all like yep. what is it that you learned I guess going through those four surgeries, like what did you learn that you had to restructure for yourself to be able to get and to do whatever it is now that you want to do going forward? Oh man. Well, it took me, see the, the first one wasn't uh, an injury per se. It was uh, something I had, had um, struggled with uh, when I was in high school with a, with a shoulder abnormality that had to be repaired. But the other three were all just be, me being stupid. Um, so <laughs> I, I had to, I had to finally say at like 33 years old, you know, you, you, you really need to think about the long game here and, and stop trying to do things that maybe aren't really focused on the goal of what you want to do with the rest of your training career. And, um, and on top of that, it really helped me see some of the holes in my own you know, movement ranges of motion and uh, in training things that I'd been avoiding or neglecting um, that that led me kind of 
even though everything looked like it was me being stupid, there was also on top of that some uh, some things that I was missing in my own training that ended up you know, being part of the problem as well. What were some of those big things, like the the, the holes, if you will, like the, in the training there? <laughs> well, it started with the first injury when we decided uh, when I was in chiropractic college that we would try some really high level athletic skills that some people were were showing on the internet at the time and you know you're <laughs> 24 and and you're flipping through and the internet you know as far as training goes is pretty barren landscape at that time yeah so this was this would have been 2007 ish and we were really we were really taken by adam archuleta and um and jay schrader and if you're not familiar with those people, I actually uh, I know exactly what you're talking about right now. This is great, yeah. So they they had they had put together these really high, really high level plyometric speed stuff, um, and and these really isometric work that was really part of the training too. But you know, most people were just focused on trying to replicate what they were doing with their really hard fast sessions. And those of us who were 24, 25 at the time, and we're looking at it, and and of course we're we're also highly trained professionals, right? And and we and we're only seeing these little glimpses of videos that they were putting out, and you you start to forget all the work that they had put into getting to that point. And so you and your friends load up the bench and start doing speed reps basically dropping it on your chest and um and then trying to turn the bar around and i end up tearing a peck and <laughs> and uh and everything every other injury to my body you could probably trace back to me recovering from that peck injury it, it no. set the stage for all the other problems plus I, having kids. Oh, sorry sorry i was gonna say i think this is a big thing to bring up because it's like you said, yeah. you are only seeing a snapshot of anything that anybody's putting out there. And even right. today, like nobody is putting out exactly like I'm sure some people might be like they're doing every single part of their training. But there is so much backstory that goes into that, that this is something people can't just jump into without knowing the context of where every other piece of that training uh, has come from. Oh, absolutely. And the biggest issue we run into in coaching is people trying to apply the training of the professional to the novice without understanding, you know, the journey it took to get there. Or on top of that, if we're talking NFL players or major league baseball or even Olympic level athletes, a lot of those people are so genetically gifted that the training may not even be why they're there anyway <laughs> or the or the training that they're currently doing may not really be even making them better they're just so much better than everybody else that really you kind of do anything to them and and you get some kind of result um but but what we see is a lot of the times people will take those snapshots of programming that they read and you know muscle and fitness everyone wants the little blurb from the strength coach and, and you go back and you, you're trying to do that to your 14 and 15 year old kids that are just starting the weight room and you're neglecting all of the basic 
work that just needs to be done before anyone can even approach that level of, of training and skill and in, in what they're doing. So I'm curious, how do you, uh, are you still practice, practicing as a chiropractor then? I am 10 okay. years now. So yeah. how are you blending that with the strength and conditioning with the mobility work? Like how does that all encompass one and like uh, one in the same? Well, you know, I, uh, shameless plug i wrote a book kind of about this um uh, one of the books i've written was called the yard and it had to do with this uh this small strength and conditioning course i run three days a week at the back in the backyard of my clinic you know literally outside and you know rain or shine snow whatever we we've got a small room and come in but we're, we're always out there and it started because i, I was realizing there, there's only so much I can do or anyone can do with kind of passive manipulation, soft tissue work, joint work, all of those things. They all have their place. And for the most part, they typically are a catalyst for someone to get on the path to make real change. It might be you know, kind of like you're helping, you're putting the key and starting to unlock the door for them. But in the end, you have to swing the door open and show them that this is all the stuff that needs to be done for you to really, truly take ownership of what's happening and and have a real and make real progress and and work for yourself to avoid needing to come back and have me try to unlock the door again. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'd much rather play the role of teacher. So that's where my strength and conditioning background, which went far before my uh, going into chiropractic college, and trying to blend those two at some level, depending on the person, depending on their skill level, depending on where they're at in their life, what they want out of it, um, their age, their injury history. I, I've got a whole bag of tricks you work with the oldest person that just wants to walk around their house and go up down their stairs to scale it up to the, you know, I've, I have never worked with the highest of high level people, but you know, I can scale it all the way up to the people that want to compete in some sort of strength sport or other sport. You know, there, there's, there's a gradient, you know, there's a grades of different levels that you can, you can work people with, but they all really need kind of the same thing, which is, which is getting stronger and improving just their ability to move their body through their environment efficiently. Whatever that means. You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily mean everyone needs to be Gumby, but everyone needs to have the requisite joint ranges of motion to just perform their everyday tasks without running into problems. I think that's the best way to put it. No, that's actually a very succinct way. No, because it's important. Like, okay, you have to be able to do the movement and you have to be strong at it. You can't like, if you can boil it down to those two things, like you're going to be pretty well functioning as a human being, like at least physically uh, from that standpoint, just boiling it down to those two things. And, and knowing what the person needs and wants, you, you have to know what are they planning on exposing themselves to? And, and yes, we want people to have enough range where if something does go wrong, they can catch themselves and not have some sort of exceed the tissue tolerance, as we say, and, and become injured. 
But, you know, depending on the goal of the person, what they're really going to be doing, you have to be able to say, you know, when's enough for that person? When are they strong enough? When is their hip flexing enough? You know, when are they able to get their arms overhead enough? And then you're not always kind of chasing something that they may may or may not use or, or care to do. Because once you start pushing them into realms that they're that aren't in their goals, they, they'll kind of start to tune you out. That's really important is not projecting uh, what you want them to do versus what they want them to do uh, with any of the process the, that you guys are going through together. Yeah, you can't overwhelm people. And I think that's where a lot of my younger colleagues run to trouble people that and i made the same mistakes you know 10 years ago I'm, I'm not saying that i didn't do it as well but that's one of the things that i i try to tell people that are getting into practice is less is more you know you have to you have to understand that people can only handle so much information at a time and everything you give them to do at home or tell them to buy is just one more thing they're probably not going to do. Set somebody up for success, not not overwhelming them for failure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is like we're talking more generalities here, but you're more into like, hey, wrote dad strong, and that seems to be more like the populace that you're uh, that you would gravitate to. Now, what, if you want to share with everybody, kind of like what that is, what that really means to you. Well, yeah, uh, I'm a dad. I have four. And I wanted, and I called it dad strong because of that, but it really should be, I didn't think parent strong had the same ring to it. <laughs> and, and I'm not a mom, so there's some things I can't, I can't speak to there. But my goal always was to help, help the busy parent understand that it doesn't take as much as they think to have to reach the goals that they really are after. Now, if you're really looking for something specific or you're chasing some sort of competition or something like that, that's fine. But for the most of us, we want to be able to throw a football without carrying a rotator cuff. We want to be able to throw our kids on the bed without having uh, you know, a back injury. We want to be able to carry two or three of them on us. Uh, <laughs> Not feel like we're gonna get winded yeah you know, i think I, I mentioned the book i'm like if you looked yourself in the mirror could you how many trips do you think it would take for you to get your whole family out of the house was on fire and you know, you should be able to to look at yourself and say if something happened i would be able to get everyone on my back and get out of here and or, and then the other side of it, because we all know if we boil everyone's fitness goals down to one thing, they also want to be able to look better with their clothes off. So you have to, you also have to have a little bit of that to it too. You got to look good. That's, aesthetics is, no, it, it, it's part of it. It absolutely is because that's going to give you confidence. You're going to feel better. Like to purely say that aesthetics isn't part of it, I most people are just fooling themselves. Uh, yeah. But like you said, this is as a general busy parent. What are you looking for? You can get it down in a few simple things. Uh, and then, like you said, if you're going for that competition phase uh, or you want to do something, that is going to take a little bit more from there then too. Yeah, and the book was designed, and I wrote another one after it, which is kind of the way I 
program for myself and for other people. This 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 very broad, general um, work based training, and and that's where a lot of people really don't put in the time, um, and and that's where Phil and I really kind of. Uh, we had talked about Phil White earlier. Um, that's where him and I really got into it and, and really started clicking before was this idea of, of bringing back this work and the people staying. You know, I am not going to sit here and say, you know, reminisce about the good old days of, of my life when I grew up doing work with my dad or on a farm. But those things really set me up to continue to enjoy training but also be successful at training because that's a big gap a lot of people are missing. Um, they, they don't have a job that really requires work. And their kids are not growing up doing work. And I'm not saying they don't have a job, but most of the jobs aren't work. And, and so that's a, that's a big missing component of overall health of the body is this is a low-level, low-skill, long-sustained work capacity and and if you can bring that back into people's training effectively they can make such big progress on all their other lifts but also it'll help them avoid a lot of the trunk and back related injuries that we see because they're, they're setting themselves up to create that more stable braced spine without having to do any extra real, real exercises that don't look like training and I can certainly attest to that just for myself. It's like I, I take my both my sons, both my dogs for a walk every day. And that's like 45 minutes to an hour. But the one, I mean, he's a couple months right now. And it's like I carry him. I'm pushing the other one. Sometimes he's sometimes he's walking. But like you said, it's you're going up and down the hills. And it's just this keep on moving that I know actually if I don't do something like that, I'm not recovering for my next workouts because I'm just not getting that pumping that work in, uh, if you will. And people don't think of it. Like you said, there's a difference between a job and working. Uh, <laughs> there, there, that's a big distinction to be made for sure. And I don't work anymore. So that's why I, I had to start putting that stuff back in my own training. You know, I grew up doing a lot of manual labor, but now you know, it, it is physical working with people, but it's not really the same. And I, and I can tell you, it almost is 100% of the time when I've, I work in a rural area where people still do have a lot of those jobs, but when they move out of those jobs into like a manager role or a supervising role, they don't replace that work in their life, and they start calling me about all sorts of tiny little weird nagging problems that they never had when they were actually moving their bodies all day doing things. So Travis, how do you go about like when you're in the clinic then? Will you do, I mean, just a couple squats? Will you just do like some bend patterns, like just some twists, whatever it is to kind of keep moving throughout the day? Yeah, for you personally. Yeah, no, I have a gym in the office. Actually, Travis, I'm losing you a little bit there. If you could speak up. Yeah, I have a oh, gym perfect. in the office. Do you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So... I've got a squat rack, a, a bunch of kettlebells, a bunch of sandbags, barbells, and I, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a dork this way. I'll, I'll just leave a bar in the back, load it up, and if I've got five minutes, ten minutes between patients, I'll go back there and do a couple sets of deadlifts. Um, I'll pick up, uh, swing a few kettlebells, do a couple pull-ups. I, I always 
and peppering that stuff into my into my day while I'm at work because um, I don't have a lot of other time to train unless I want to get up super early, which I have started to do more often um, to get in some more long sustained cardio work. But as far as a lot of my training during the day goes, the only time I can make it work is kind of in that sporadic way. So I, I just uh, keep a heavy bar and do some sled walks and do some barbell lifting of some kind and, and try to fit it in. How about any recommendations for people who don't necessarily have a gym in their office, but they still have that freedom like, hey, you get two, three minutes here, five minutes there, whatever it is, to just get some of that movement? <laughs> well, first, convince your boss to buy a squat rack. I like it. Um, <laughs> but if if that's not gonna happen you know i I think people don't spend enough time squatting or getting down into a squat so making sure that uh you know just handfuls of air squats here and there during the day that are getting you below parallel um you don't people don't spend enough time down there and then they want to complain about how their squatting is suffering and the first thing I would say was how much time do you spend like in the bottom of the squat? And if it's, you know, zero seconds a day, well, of course it's not improving. Um, so I want to check when you're saying spent there, you're not talking about just going down and coming right back up. You're talking about hanging out there then too, right? Yes. So that's an important distinction. Only, that's why I wanted to make that for everybody. Yes. So not only should you do some actual squats, but you should also try to spend some time sitting in the bottom, um, you know, pushups, pull-ups if you have a place to do them if you can find something heavy to carry around i I know you might look like a a weirdo if you're an office worker but you know grab a couple of those water cooler jugs and go for a little walk you know grab one grab two put it over your shoulder uh get out and and climb the stairs if you can you you just have to find time to put that in um, throughout your day if you don't you will suffer the slow death of the chair now, what are other things that you either do for yourself or like recommend for uh, people that you work with? Like just, hey, tips, tricks, not just necessarily for movement, but maybe overall health. Uh, sleep. You need to, <laughs> you have to go to bed. Um, that, that's probably the part that most people screw up right now. Now, how do you manage that with four kids? Because this is something I think that sometimes I get where people are like, yeah, but I'm super busy. Like have all this going on. Like what what is your like uh, maybe recommendations on something like that then too well first you have to quit fooling yourself that you're too busy to go to bed um (laughs) i i think right there you're i don't know why people think that way but i currently am not sleeping well because we've got one that's sick and and teething and all those things so she's two so our oldest is 12 so I really haven't slept well in 10 years, <laughs> but, uh, but, but there's, there's always those times where it works um, and everyone sleeps all night and doesn't, and everyone can uh, get a good rest. But, um, you know, as a parent, it is tough and, and you have to, you have to take it when you can get it, but you need to make sure that if, if they're all in bed, you're getting most of your stuff done for the day. And you're not staying up for another two or three hours. You know, I, I am never ashamed to tell people I'm usually asleep by 930. No, and yeah. that's an important thing. Like, that, that's about my time right now, too. It's like 930, 
five thirty is like if I can swing until five thirty. That's a, it's a great day. Like just getting those hours in because, like you said, kids are usually going to still sleep a little bit longer. Like a few hours before there, or a few hours after there, uh, either morning or uh, evening. And you got to try and just get everything else you've done uh, that you need to in there. But how often do we really have truly that much more that needs to get done? Like. It, cer- certainly it happens. Like there are going to be times where you're going to have to stay up late or get up early to get everything yeah. done, but it's not an everyday all day for the rest of your life either. No, I don't, I don't understand people that, that feel like they're the, they're, they make themselves so busy that they can't get quality sleep. You've got to figure that out and you can't hack it. Please don't. Please what, don't. what are your thoughts on hacking things? No. Cause this is something I always find interesting. <laughs> uh, not to not to ruffle any feathers, I guess, <laughs> but I think you should just actually do the things instead of trying to cut the corners. I, I I would much rather see you actually sleep, actually train, and eat real food than eat drink you know soylent and sleep four hours a night but you do it in some weird way that allows you to feel like it was eight. And then you, I don't even understand. And you just train. I don't know how they do it. And you end up looking like you train without training. You know, I, I don't think that's really how the body was meant to operate in the long run. I could be wrong. You know, they could all make a liar out of me eventually. <laughs> I just feel like your body is meant to get, sleep recovery it's meant to eat regular food and it's meant to actually be stressed by training that's another awesome point travis like the stress of training we we are meant to be not only like stressed mentally emotionally like physically like we're supposed to go through all of these stressors because that's the only way that we can adapt and to make that change so that that's awesome that you bring up like stress through training too yes you your body really isn't adapting if it's not being stressed so that's why i don't understand hacking so we'll just leave it at that i just i just maybe i just don't read enough about it to understand it no i'm i'm with you like (laughs) to me whenever i i think of the term hack i think of like somebody who can't cut it right like not like (laughs) that that's my perception of hacking was like so when this first started to come out i was a little confused until i understood like Oh, they're hacking it like they're trying. Okay, but not like you're you're a hack. Like it, it was. I I think it's not even a good term to use to begin with. But that's just me. Yeah. No. Don't don't do it. Don't hack people. All right. So uh, I'm curious a little bit because, like you said, you did uh, work with like Mobility Wad Kelly Starrett yeah. there. What yeah. what are a lot of like the basic principles, a lot of the big things that you've seen and learned or, and or like are still teaching uh, as far as the mobility aspect? Because, hey, we talked like how the strength is important, but why do people need all of these requisite ranges of motion? Well, I guess to put that into context, do you do you need does the does a person need any of them? And I think that becomes very context specific. So I, I feel like the body should be able to freely move into all of the ranges that are what we would say normal if you opened up, you know, 40 different orthopedic textbooks. If you want a joint and the surrounding musculature to be healthy, 
they need to be stressed and moved through those ranges. And, you know, it's not to say that you, you can certainly get along and live for a long time with, without ever lifting your arms over your head or without ever, you know, standing up all the way. You know, you can certainly do those things. But if you want to live a, an optimal existence, you're, you need to be exposing yourself to all of those ranges and you need to be doing it consistently and, and daily in some degree whether it be just some sort of morning flow stretch or actually training with some sort of load into that position. Um, but those ranges become like how much do you need or how much you need to train? Well, if you want to be in weightlifting or gymnastics, you are going to have to even work into positions and ranges that are past what are the, norm you know quote normal ranges of the joints so you know how much i guess it all comes back to how much do you need and, and i feel like everyone should be exposing themselves at least daily to the limits even if it's just like i said like you start your coffee pot and while the coffee's brewing you're just you're on the floor and you're standing up and you're just moving your your shoulders and hips and just touching all those little corners but um you know if you don't your body will start to stiffen up into what you do most of the time. So if your job is police officer and you're in a car all day or truck driver or office worker, you know, you, you appear to have the luxury of standing while you work. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm dancing around here as we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've, I've been dancing around talking to people for five hours before us. So I'm, I'm choosing to sit right now. But, but as I say, I, I have earned my couch because I have, I have been up since 5 a.m. doing stuff. So I, I, I'll go ahead and take a, take a little relaxation before I get back off my day. Um, but your body will, it will adapt to those positions. And, and what we ran into and what we continue to run into when we go out and teach is people that spend all their time in one shape and they want to just go to the gym and check that box of I trained for one hour because I was told that I have to train for one hour. And then they go back to sitting or, or whatever. And they're, they're exposing themselves to these high loads and high volume and high repetition and high speed movements that they're really not ready for. And many of them want to jump into it now because everyone right now needs to have everything right now and and i i remind them like i started training when I was 12 and i've been touching all these positions three or four times a week for 24 years you started training today <laughs> and you, and you want to put the gas pedal on the floor and you are not your body's not prepared for it I, did I answer the question? I, I think I just kind of... I don't know. Either, I, I think that gave a good answer no matter what. <laughs> circled around a lot of things. But um, but that's why we teach those courses is to give people those that understanding of what do the limits of the range... What do the limits of the body look like in a strength and conditioning setting? And how can we assess them quickly and give you a breakdown of is this a practice problem? Like the person's never done it before motor control issue or do they have some sort of soft tissue or joint restriction that is keeping them from accessing that range 
and and how do we deal with that? And that's that's really the course we're teaching right now is this coaches athlete assessment, helping you understand how to put people in in one or zero situations. You know, can they do it or can't they? And then branch out from the tree of, well, first is it are they having a lot of pain with it? Because then that's a different conversation. But if it's just restricted, well, then we have to tease out. Do they just not access it because they don't have stability and they've never been there before? Or do they truly have some sort of stiffness that needs to get solved? And unfortunately, no one asks you until they're having a problem. So it, it becomes tough on the coach to, to really evaluate all these athletes coming in through your door because many of them won't discuss anything with you till they start to hurt. Which oftentimes then it's already leading to an injury i mean it takes a lot more to clean up rather than hey if you can clean it up when you're pain-free the movement comes back the strength comes back i mean everything is just that much easier to progress and that's where we talk about like uh looking at the long term versus like hitting the pedal to the like floor right now like no if you just do it gradually you're gonna see a lot more gains from that and still it's a relatively short period of time like you can make dramatic changes in a three months, a six month, a year long period uh, to the body too. We say this all the time at Mobility Wad. If you committed to doing something for 10 minutes every day that exposes you to ranges you don't normally go into or works on softening up some sort of long term stiffness in a, in a muscle or, or fascial plane or joint, if you did that for three months, for 10 minutes a day, how that's a lot of minutes. <laughs> what, that's probably about 100 hours right there, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that's a it's, long It's an over, an hour, over an hour a week. I mean, yeah, yeah you're looking at – that's a long time. That really is. Yeah, and, and people, but people don't see it that way. And, and we had just done this um, – uh, Kelly had just finished like a, a year long of these long-form videos on his website. And I told him, I said, you should take a – picture of um of margaret who'd been helping him she works for them and from the beginning to the end and you need to show people like what happened to her over the course of the year because nobody nobody looks at the long view of anything and, and i think that's why a lot of people get frustrated with with what we do and and the message we preach because not all of the results are always apparent immediately no, and that's actually a really cool thing. Like, I'm I'm a physical therapist too. So, like in the clinic, like I could see, okay, you get ten more degrees of shoulder flexion, whatever, right? Like, and you can see that maybe over a short period of time. But to look at somebody and look at like five, ten, maybe like before and after pictures, like over a year of just like all these different functional patterns, that would be pretty wild to look at. I think because uh, I was thinking about it too. Like we when aesthetics like how do you look in a mirror like everybody wants to look like oh what's that from zero to 90 days like did i get my abs like what, what's happening there but can you take your arms overhead can you hit a squat now like in a, to a full depth that's actually something that'd be cool to look at like before and afters too yeah and and i don't think people look at it that way they they're they're and aesthetics are important because because people like that but they have to be focused on the performance of the task and and making and showing them those little incremental steps along the way. And that's why I like to if I have a, a big project, like I've been working with a guy 
who had his hip replaced last year and never really got the range back that he thought he should have. Um, we, I, I take a lot of pictures and, and I go back and I show him like, look, last month you couldn't barely get your hands down halfway down your shin. And now we're grabbing our shoelaces. Yeah. And, and he's just like, holy crap. You know, we're, I'm, and we're not doing it complicated, but we're being consistent about it. And so that it starts to set into their head. Okay. If I put into effort and it doesn't really take that much time and I listen to what this guy's telling me and I'm seeing some kind of result, they're much more likely to be compliant. And that's a cool way to show it too, because you might know, like you might have your measurements down and you're going to know how they're progressing because you're also the one seeing it. But if they don't see it for themselves, almost in that picture form, it can be hard for them to uh, get that buy-in like fully like, okay, this really is making me that much better. Well, and, and think about this. If I had said to the guy, well, we've gained four degrees of flexion on my goiniometer. He's like, what, what does that mean? Right. If I show him a picture, you've gone from your shin to your shoe yeah, that that's visual. That makes sense to him. He can understand what that looks like and feels like. And and that is the the beauty of having yeah, you know, I as much as I wish I had a flip phone or that you had to call me on a pay phone like, <laughs> like Brock Lesnar does, I think. Um <laughs> the nice part about the smartphone is I always have it near me. Um, I don't answer it during work, but it's always there and I can, I can quick take a picture and show you what's going on. Um, cause some people, they don't understand They they're like, why, what do you mean? I'm rounding my back. I don't know what that means. And unless I can show them in a picture, it's hard for them to really understand what I'm doing. And that comes back to like the, the, do they have the motor control or is there, there's soft tissue restriction? Like that can be a great tool uh, to just show somebody like, okay, this is how you're moving. This is how we want you to get moving too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Treps, we're going over a lot of cool stuff here. Like what is it though that like right now you're geeking out on? Like, are you just diving into anything in particular? <laughs> well, if you, if anyone follows me on Instagram, I am, I am really geeking out about doing one rep for a minute of a lot of different things <laughs> and 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 it's it's been really brutal i don't know if you've ever tried to do a pistol for a minute one are you saying one minute hold or one minute consistent movement or both you're, you're descending for 30 seconds and then you're coming up for 30 seconds for a single rep i've fallen yeah. now now i'm with you now i'm with you okay <laughs> sorry i was thinking like one set just for a continuous movement i, no, I follow you no. i follow you one rep that lasts a minute a pistol hell most people couldn't do a squat for that <laughs> i've done several different things it started um i don't i i'm also very deep and um strong first and pavel i i've known for quite some time and um and he had i did not get to make it to his most recent lecture series which is about strong endurance but um he had talked more recently about training your slow fibers um periodically very intentionally and and apparently at this newer seminar because i talked to a friend that went they they had done like a one minute push-up and a and a one minute air squat and it got me thinking about a lot of different things 
And, um, and, and what I've found out is there's many places in your range of motion that you speed through because you can't control them. But if I force you to do, to descend for a minute or for 30 seconds, and then you have to turn around without momentum and come back up, you're going to find all these little holes in your in your strength and stability that you didn't know you had. And the worst one I did was a pull-up. And I, I did a pull-up for a minute, and I thought I was, like, having a seizure at the end. I, I was There was so much shaking going on on the descent. It was crazy. That was, of all the movements I was thinking about in my head right now, like, that would definitely be the most challenging, I think. Uh, I mean, I've just finished, actually, like, I was doing uh, my last training block, like, my squats. I was doing eight-second eat sand tricks with that. Um, but anything like I think of like pull up would have to be the hardest out of any of those for me. Travis, I'm, I'm losing you there. There we go. There we go. And I'm not sure why the pull up is so hard. Um, I thought the pistol would be worse, but that wasn't the worst one for me. That pull up was awful. Um, and I don't want people to get go off the deep end with this and, and I don't know if it's really going to mean much in, in the overall context of my training in the long run, but it, it was showing me there's, there's some little places where, where you go fast because you know, you can't control it. With the pull up, I'm curious, did you have more trouble with the eccentric or the concentric part of the movement? No, coming down. Okay. It, it was, I, I just wanted to let go and drop. after and yeah the hardest part is kind of that i don't know if you can see my arm but you know like right here so he's like 90 degree like you're like halfway there kind of thing yeah like that 90 degree mark you really just want to drop the rest of the way like your brain is your brain is telling you just to knock it off so and I think that's part of it too, actually, just the, the mental like toughness to be able to complete something like that is going to be a huge part of it. Well, tension is such a, a tension is strength, you know, your ability to, to ratchet up your tension and, and, con- and, uh, control your, your nervous system's perception of what's happening. And yeah, I, I teach, um, it's, it used to be called mastering the basics and, and we've turned it into a, um, MWOD performance workshop and we go through the biggest performance limiters in in the four lifts and and how to kind of spin them up and down and and look at you know, if you can if you can spot people's issues in squatting deadlifting benching and pressing you can kind of extrapolate a lot of different things but but one of the big parts of it is teaching people how to be comfortable with the tension that's necessary to move a big load and how much noise that is on the nervous system because most people don't they they really aren't comfortable with it and and they think that they are until you slow them down until you make them pause um until you get their breathing under control people don't re most the most people don't realize how disordered their and panic their breathing becomes when their nervous system when the stresses on the nervous system start to get so high and they'll do things perfectly at a 
at an assessment level setting of like bracing or breathing. But once I start putting pounds on your back, if you can't replicate that, you're, you're not ready. I, I don't know how many people you have shown and they can prove to you that they can stabilize their trunk laying on their back on the floor. But the instant you stand them up and put a heavy weight in their hands, they turn into a rag doll. It's very different. Gravity is a great equalizer for sure. Yeah. And people get become the champions of like the dead bug. And I always remind them I'm like, and the dead bug progressions. I'm like, that's great, but there's not a competition in the dead bug. So if you can't figure out how to do that and maintain those same positions and tension, when I put a heavy bar on your back, then I, I'm, I'm not really that impressed with your dead bugging. And that's where I think like some of this work could be very beneficial in your lighter sets, your warm up sets, because it's just like every set, every rep you do is still practice for the next one, for the next one. So being able yeah. to, okay, you maybe you need that dead bug for a 30 seconds, minute, whatever, to kind of like get everything turned on. But now it's okay. Can you still do that with the bar on the back? Can you do that with yeah. 25s on, 45s on? I mean, ad nauseum, just keep adding weight. And that's where it really comes down to is like that progression through there. Can you still continue uh, to maintain that proper form is, is huge. And, and breathing. Breathing yeah. is a big part of that. Yeah. People don't do it uh, efficiently enough for big loads. I, I don't like to – people like to throw around the word breathing dysfunction um, or dysfunctional breathing. I'm not – I'm not a big fan of saying that because in my head that makes me sound like I'm telling you you have like emphysema or or, or something like that. Um, you know, I I I always go towards I think we could improve your efficiency in breathing under this load and make it easier. I I think that sounds I think that's more palatable to the person usually. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, but. It's still breathing is just never a sexy thing that if, like for, especially for anybody who's competitive. Uh, it's always just no. I, all right. I can breathe. I've been doing it my entire life. Like, give me something else. Yeah. It, but I do think that's why I like to spin it that way to that person, because then it doesn't make them feel like or sound like there's something that is broken that they have to fix before they can continue to train. And, and that's where I get really. I, I get away from using words like corrective exercise and, and that with people because in some way it does make them feel like I'm putting them in a place where they can't train till they fix this. And that's not really what I mean. What I mean is we this is a way that we got we can sure up some of these weak links while we are still training within a capacity that you have available that I feel like is going to be safe for what you can do right now. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot actually. No, because the, the psychological component of it is okay. I'm still doing something versus like I'm broke, like, or I'm, uh, I'm improving something versus I have to fix something. Like those are psychologically two very different, uh, uh, positions to be in. Yeah. The, the power of your words, on how a person perceives what you're telling them or 
their ability to make progress is huge. I don't think that's, and you, you mentioned you're a physical therapist and, um, you know, when I was in chiropractic college, we had like one, one trimester on, um, psychology. And I always felt like we did not spend nearly enough time on how to present patients with, uh, information and, and language and how to speak to them properly. And, and there's so much more to it than that. It's not just the speaking to them. It's the properly understanding them, like knowing how they're learning. I mean, there's so many different things that go into this that, yeah, are just often uh, just overlooked in, in school. Nick, I got to grab my daughter. She's yelling at me. All right. So, uh, Travis, take, yeah. we, we can kind of wrap up here. Do you want to do that? Because I, yeah, I can just cut this up. out. So, all right, Travis, in closing, where can everybody find out more about you, what you're up to, what you're doing, uh, what you have to share with the world? Yeah, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. So I think this is a good place to wrap it up anyway. Um, you know, if, if you want to find me, I am on uh, Instagram at drjewett07. Uh, I'm on Twitter at drjewett. Uh, I'm probably more active on Instagram than anything. Uh, Facebook is just my name, you know, Travis Jewett. Um, I've got a website, uh, Jewett Fitness. Uh, My wife and I have been working on some things there. You can find a lot of my different um, books I've been working on there, Uh, a lot of the e-books, a lot of the video that I have. Uh, There's there's just a lot of good information there. We've been working on some different training programs for for adults um, that have kids that need to do things in a timely manner. There you go. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and and uh, I also have some different ebooks about you know optimizing your shoulders, your your hips and low back, and your inner feet and ankles because those are the three places that most people have the the I call them their performance limiters, and there's always easy ways you can attack them without any equipment more more than likely, and and it goes through a lot of your know, different self joint soft tissue work, but also tons of strength and stability work to sure up those weak links so you can have big performance of what you really enjoy doing and i'll make sure to put some uh links in the show notes so everybody can just check all that out as well but travis again thank you so much for your time today this has been awesome uh geeking out on all this stuff yeah and uh it's a jewett uh all one word you know there's no hyphens or anything in it so perfect thank you very much all right nick have a good one Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm-hmm.